podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I'm Selena going solo because the cutie clover is out in NYC. And it's kind of funny because the interview you're about to hear is actually recorded in NYC. So it's like we're in the same place, except we're not. Anyway, we begin every episode with a segment we call Historical Hose. This week's historical ho, well, actually, we have two this week. Our historical hosts this week are Ada and Mina Sims, a.k.a. Ada and Mina Everlay, who are the sisters who owned and operated the Everlay Club in Chicago. I got my information from Wiki, an article in the Chicago Tribune by Louise Kiernan, and an article in Timeline by Nina Renana Aaron, and both of those articles will be in our bio. Ada and Mina Sims were Southern debutantes who went to finishing school, very fancy, in Kentucky. They came from a wealthy family that owned a plantation. However, they lost most of their wealth during the Civil War. Mina married a man named Lester at 17, and her sister Ada married Lester's brother. The two soon became abusive, and their marriages failed. Their marriages failed, and the sister decided to pursue their dreams of acting. Not long after that, their father died and bequeathed them $35,000, which in 19 or 1890 or whatever, whenever that happened, was a fuck ton of money. Anyway, the sisters continued traveling with a theater company until one day they ended up stranded in Omaha, Nebraska. The sisters decided to change their last name from Sims to Everlay after the way their granny would sign letters, quote, Everly yours. And they opened the first brothel in Omaha. The brothel was so successful that they decided to open a second brothel and doubled their investment. They eventually grew out of Omaha and set their sights on a more affluent city. Prior to relocating to Chicago, the Everlay sisters toured brothels in many cities, trying to find a location which had, quote, plenty of wealthy men, but no superior houses. When they settled upon Chicago, they sold their brothels and purchased a Chicago brothel for the hella rich. They fired everyone and renovated that place, and it was a 50-room mansion. They, quote, redecorated the entire building with the most luxurious appointments available. Silk curtains, damask easy chairs, oriental rugs, mahogany tables, gold-rimmed china and silver dinnerware, perfumed fountains in every room, a $15,000 gold-leafed piano for the music room, mirrored ceilings, a library filled with finely bound volumes, an art gallery featuring nudes and gold frames. No expense was spared. While the heavyweight boxer Jack Johnson thought $57 gold spittoons in his cafe were worth boasting about, the patrons of Everlay Club were a obliged to expectorate in $650 gold cuspiders. Very fancy. I don't even know what those things are. What is a spittoon? What is a cuspider? Please write in and tell me. Anyway, the brothel was open from 1900 to 1911, and it was very profitable. The sisters knew the importance of appeasing the local government and had a policy of providing free services for legislators. They also tapped into the hype of exclusivity and wouldn't let just anybody in. 
A prospective client had to be worthy to be admitted to the club. They had to provide a, provide a letter of recommendation from an existing member, an engraved card, an engraved card, or receive a formal introduction by Mina or Ada. At that time, most sex workers were charging $10 for a session, but the Everlay sisters insisted their workers work for no less than 50 per session. The sex workers also had to undergo courses in culture and manners before even being allowed to see clients. The brothel brought in about $100,000 in profit annually and entertained many notable international clients, including Prince Henry of Prussia, the brother of German Kaiser Wilhelm II, who you might know from World War II. Quote, During a dance performance in his honor, a prostitute shoe flew off, knocking over a bottle of champagne, which spilled into it. To spare the woman a wet foot, one of Henry's buddies picked up the shoe and drank the bubbly from it. That gesture, an act of chivalry amid revelry, is thought to be the origin of the odd party tradition of drinking from a shoe. Somebody, please tell me, have you ever had anything, like, drank anything from a shoe? Drunk? Drank? Shoes and alcohol, does it go together? Let me know. Their claim would eventually be their undoing. The sisters created a leather-browned brochure advertising their establishment that unfortunately fell into the hands of Mayor Carter Harrison Jr., a man who was the embodiment of a limp noodle. He shut down the brothel in 1911, forcing the sisters into a meager retirement of over a million dollars. This is 1911, you guys. Like, a million dollars in 1911. I don't even, I can't even. The Everlaces tried to settle on the west side of Chicago, but their neighbors didn't approve and drove them out, so they decided to travel Europe, and then they settled out in New York and changed their last name so that they wouldn't be associated with the notorious Everlay house, and they could live a quiet little life until they both passed away of old age. And that's the story of the Everlay sisters, this week's historical hose. Hey everybody, this is an episode of Home in the Know, a podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I am still can't get a happy ending massage, Selena, here with my lovely guest, Luna. Hi everyone. And we're going to talk about stripping and this episode is currently on the road. I am in Brooklyn and um, having a great time. So uh, this episode is special and I cannot wait to get into everything. So let's start. So how did you choose your name, Muna? Um, well, I'm a Cancer and I'm really into astrology. So I was like, I love the name Luna. At first I wanted it to be Luna Chanel, but mm-hmm. the girls were like, honey, nobody's catching on to that name. Just cut it to Luna. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, perfect. Oh, you wanted to be Luna Chanel initially? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted like the moon and also luxury? Yeah. Because the whole reason I got into dancing was one of my friends and he calls me Chanel. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'll like, you know, use that. How did he come up with that nickname for you? Because it kind of rhymes with my actual name. Oh, OK. And then he's like, you know, oh, you're so fancy and like special and stuff. <laughs> I really like that. That's so sweet. Um, so you are from Newark, right? Yes. And you came all the way up here. And that's such a treat. Mm-hmm. It's my da- pleasure. Thank you. Do you uh, dance in Newark? 
No, I actually danced. I started dancing in Patterson and I love it so much. Where's Patterson? It's east of Newark, a little north. So it's it's also in Jersey? Yes. What made you choose to like work in Patterson versus Newark? Because I didn't want anybody I know to see ah, me. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And Patterson is only like 15 minutes from Newark. So I wanted to go further, but mm-hmm. I just had to like rush and get a job. So I just stuck with Patterson. Oh, cool. Um, so how did you kind of make your decision to start stripping? Well, I graduated from college in 2018 and there's no jobs with yeah. a bachelor's degree at all. Yeah, so, I know, right. What did you study? Psychology and anthropology. Oh, damn. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I feel like I learned so much like from the dancing experience too. But uh-huh. yeah, so... I took a year off and then I was gonna I got into a master's program and they don't want you to work at all. What? And the wait, are they do they like pay for everything? Like what no. is No. No. <laughs> uh, like you're not expected to work or like I think it's like a 15 minimum hourly, like how fi- like 15 hours minimum uh-huh. maximum. But I live on my own. So I'm like, there's no possible way I can work a full-time job and go to school. So I wanted a sugar daddy. I couldn't find any. How did you go about looking for that? I went on Uh seekingarrangements.com. Yeah. But back then I was so like, I was so young and ignorant, kind of like I didn't know anything (laughs) at all. So, you know, it was crazy. But then my friend that coined the name Chanel, he's mm-hmm. actually my mom's friend. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, hey, why don't you just dance? Yeah. And I was like, what? And my mom was like, yeah, why don't you just dance? What? Your mom was like, why <laughs> don't you just dance? <laughs> yes. I was like, wait, if my mom is okay with it. Yeah. Like, why not? So then I got kind of got into the idea of it and I get really comfortable in places. Uh-huh. So I had a trip to DR. Uh-huh. And Are you I'm Dominican? Like, no. Oh, you just went to DR? Yeah, I'm black and Puerto Rican, but oh, my nice. friend wanted to go me to too. DR. Hola. <laughs> but yeah, so my job wouldn't give me the time off. So I'm like, this is my time. I'm uh-huh. quitting. And when I come back from DR, I'm going to be a stripper. Oh God, I love it. What were you working before? I was working at a car dealership. <laughs> like 45 hours a week, barely any money. It was... Were you working like on commission? Yeah, like we had an hourly, not an hourly, but a salary, like 400 a week. Okay. And then commission could be like kind of tough. Yeah, that's that's kind of hard. Yeah, so it was not enough. Yeah, especially like out on the East Coast like this. Yeah, like my paychecks were always like still like 450, 500. So it just wasn't enough. Even though I loved the job and I was comfortable there, I'm like, I got to go. So I quit. When I came back from DR, I had negative $300. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need a job today so yeah. my friend she kept saying you're not gonna do it you're not gonna do it because I'm like really shy and quiet uh-huh. in person but I mean like usually but she's like you're not gonna do it and just because she said that I'm like I have to prove to her that I am gonna do it <laughs> so she found all these clubs and we went to Patterson and they took both of us and oh, I love it so you, you auditioned go. together no, no she didn't go no I was so pissed because I mean it's kind of scary when you have like no background in that yeah yeah but she didn't end up coming. She, you know, she was like, I don't feel comfortable. Oh, no. So she she never did it. She just... Well, she started two weeks after me. Oh, okay. I, I told her, I was like, it's not bad. Like, it's actually really cool. Yeah. And she, she tried, like, she dipped her feet in. But she's, you know, she's still working on it. What were you scared of initially? Like, before you even went into the audition, like, what did you think was going to happen? And, like, how did it kind of compare? 
Well, the first thing I was really scared about was seeing somebody I know because oh, my God. dad, yeah. <laughs> like my dad is the only one who doesn't know, but he's like very protective of me and he knows oh. a lot of people. So that's like every time I would come downstairs, I'm like scanning the room. Mm-hmm. So I was scared of that. And then I did like a lot of research. So it's like, you know, it can get like grimy and strip clubs. Like these girls are out to get you and stuff. So I kind of had this barrier up. And it was so different. Mm-hmm. I've never, the club that I worked at is tiny, like four to seven girls. Oh, wow. That's really tiny. Super tiny. Like it was, there's not a lot of like, it'd be like 20 people in there, like max uh-huh. on like a crazy busy day, oh my including gosh. the dancers. <laughs> but I never seen anybody I've ever known. It's the same guys every day. And the girls were the absolute best. Like, oh, I love that. They were amazing. Like they taught me everything I know. They welcomed me and they made me feel like they really taught me everything I know. That's so sweet. And um, how was the money there? Like, was it pretty decent or was it kind of like I mean, hit or miss? Yeah, it's better than a regular job, like no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like before I used to be like, I'm not dancing. At least I get $500 a night. Yeah. Like, please. That was, I would be so happy with like 250. Uh-huh. Like, so happy. But then some days it would be like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 300. Like it would fluctuate, but I had such a good time there. Uh-huh. I didn't care. That's so cool. I mean, I think that that's like something that people don't really think about is like just the enjoyment factor, yeah. you know? And you said the girls were like pretty nice and welcoming. Yeah, like actually I just got hired at a different club because I felt like I was starting to kind of outgrow it. Yeah. And it's not the safest club. Like there's no security. Sometimes there's no managers there at all. What? Yes. Yeah, so so wait, how do you get your money at the end? Do you, like, so how is it kind of run? Can you describe the club? Yes. Yeah, so the club is like on certain days there's managers there, but certain days there's not. So it's like the bartender will kind of like, keep check of everything. Oh. Nobody's throwing money on the stage. You like have to go around and collect dollars. And then for lap dances, you pay the bartender. And then at the end of the night, she gives you like your cut of the of the lap dance money. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have to tip out? No. Oh, that's so nice. That's well, not too bad. But I mean, it's like... Yeah. I, in the daytime, I always work daytime. You don't mm-hmm. have to tip out. But I mean, for your lap dances, they're $30 and you have to give $10. To the okay, club. so like they take about ten anyway. So yes, yeah, so. but I mean, usually like a lot of clubs, they make you tip out on top of that. So. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, but at the new club I work at, it's like bougier, like more high class, uh-huh. quote unquote. And it's still in Patterson. No, that one's in Linden. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And but I'm the only black girl out of oh. like thirty five girls. Well, I mean, it's also funny that, I mean, it's like you're so light-skinned, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you have to be a Barbie doll to, like, if you're Black, to work yeah, there. You, do. you have to be, like, perfect. You like, have perfect. to be, like, the most flawless Black woman. Yes. Like, Especially literally. with dark skin. It's like. On my first day, I saw another Black girl, and she was perfect. Like, she's a little darker than me. Mm-hmm. And her everything, like, perfect. Her body. Yeah. Oh. And I thought they just hired girls like that. But then I would see, like the white girls or Latina girls. And I'm like, not no shade or anything, but yeah, I'm just like, But the wow. bar is different. Yeah, the bar is totally different. So it's like, even though I make way more money at this club, I still go back to my home club all the time. Like, even if I know I might only leave out of here with $100, like just to catch up with the girls and oh, the I clients too. Because it's literally the same clients every day. There might uh-huh. be like two or three new guys, 
but it's the same guy. So I just go there on my days off and like chill, mm. drink, sit. That's so cute. I yeah. love that. I love it. It's like, it's really like a hangout and like a meeting place. Yeah, exactly. That's so sweet. Um, do you, at that first club, um, did you have like private dances and everything? No, there was only a lap dance room. Okay. But in the lap dance room, anything goes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's it's also extremely unsafe. It's upstairs while everyone else is downstairs. Oh, so. gotcha. And there's no security. So God forbid, like some of the girls, they always looked out for us. Like uh -huh. we always looked out for each other, but they'd be like, that guy, you know, he tried to do something to me upstairs. Yeah. But there's no one there to like call for help or anything. But, uh -huh. you know, you can like set your prices and stuff in the lap dance room. That's nice. So, so you said, um, is there like a bottom line that you have to kind of like for a guy to get to the upstairs? Like, yeah, they have to pay $30, 30 bucks to get in. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And then is it kind of like an open format, like where you can see other girls dancing with customers? No, it's like literally like a little closet space uh -huh. almost. Yeah. And then it has a curtain in front of it. Oh, okay. So you can't see anything. Okay. That makes sense. That's kind of how it is at a lot of other clubs that I've been to. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So you kind of outgrew your club after like getting your, I don't know, like getting acclimated to it, getting used to. Yeah. It was kind of like the lifestyle was kind of like starting to catch up really fast. Cause uh -huh. I'm like just getting drunk and then like, you know, bad things would happen. And I just felt like I had more potential to mm -hmm. not, you know, but just, I felt like I could expand somewhere else and potentially make more money. Totally. I mean, just like, having the option to make more money is so important. Exactly. Especially whenever it's like an industry where like you kind of set your limit, you know, like yeah. what you're going to earn. Mm -hmm. What was your first audition like? Or did you have to audition at that first club? Not really. So the audition was you worked a full shift and they see oh. how the guys liked you or like the managers, you know, kind of looked at your body or whatever and mm -hmm. see how you worked. And then they'll say, okay, you can come back tomorrow. Like at my club, you can just literally show up and be like, you guys need girls today? And then you can work. So it's oh, like real, nice. super, super easy going. Do you have to wear anything in particular? Like, I know in New York, they uh, have to wear like dresses or something. Oh, no. I've heard of places like that. But at this club, it's just like, you know, bikinis. But at my first club, like you show, you can show everything. Can even you be though, like kind of naked or like have your boobs out and stuff like that? Low key, like on the low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just like the manager be like, make sure nobody sees you yeah. because they serve alcohol. But uh, uh, I yeah. love that. I, I, you know, I, I kind of like the clubs that are like a little under the radar, you know, yeah. where the girls can kind of do what they want and no, definitely. Set their prices and everything. And I think that's kind of like it's freeing to have your own rules, like set your own rules that way. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how I feel. Cause even though I make more money in the other club, I always want to go back to. My home club because it's just so easy going. I just need to learn like the control to maintain, like you know, keep a handle on myself since I make my own rules. Mm -hmm. Totally. Did you um, like? Did you kind of come in like pleaser heels or anything? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, my first heels. Like my legs are so messed up because of those horrible heels. <laughs> like they were so bad. And then I only had. What one did you pair. have? They were pleaser heels, but they're like the $40 ones that you can oh. like, you know, like the cheapest ones possible. Were they like the sandal kinds? Like yes. the plastic clear ones? Yes. Or? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> they were, they ruined my feet and then they like, I didn't know any better. So it was like three months in and they were so slippery on stage. <gasps> oh my Because like the bottom, Had it gets like sanded down by yeah. the rough wood. So. Oh, was your stage kind of wood? Like, yeah, it oh was like God. old wood. Oh no. 
Oh, God. I always, like, worry for everybody's knees and stuff. Girl, my <laughs> knees and elbows are pitch black. Like, oh, my they're God. ruined. Yeah. <laughs> like, ruined forever because of those those wooden No. Floors. Oh, God. I just, like, went to this, like, uh, strip club event, and they had it on, like, a rough stage, and I was watching this girl dance and then she she like was on her back and then she got up and I saw like this like sore on her back. Mm. Like I just like saw that it had like scraped away some of her skin and I was oh like, my God. no. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that there was even different floors. Yeah. Because <laughs> at first I didn't know any pole tricks. So I would just be like on my knees twerking. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't need to know pole tricks to be a dancer. Yes. But it's like, but yeah, I mean, like so much of the initial stuff is just like floor work. Yeah, exactly. Hands and knees. <laughs> <laughs> this whole summer, like I'm like, I'm keeping my legs covered. Yeah. Now, I mean, like since I've been in it for a little while, like I always wear like knee coverings. Like mm. I wear compression socks. I wanted to wear knee pads, but they're kind of bulky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I couldn't like figure out a way to do it. Like, I've honestly thought of that. Yeah. Like, how to make it cute, right? <laughs> yeah. How do you make the knee pads cute? <laughs> Because we really need them. It's like... Seriously. It's like, how are you going to dance for years if you don't protect your knees? Right. Everyone tells me, you know, oh, go to the, the dermatologist. And I'm like, but how if I'm <sighs> still doing it? Like, yeah. it's, gonna, it's not going to get fixed. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if I'm just like repeatedly injuring myself. Exactly. Like, it's not going to help if I just go to the doctor one time. At all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have like a money bag and everything? No. No? I did not know what that was. And on my first day, there was this one girl. She was the sweetest person I've ever met. She was like, hi, baby. And she like grabbed me. She's like, you're so beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And then she like introduced me to everyone. And then my manager was like, do you have a, a money bag? And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and then one of the girls was like, I have an extra one. It has like good juju on it. Oh, okay? that's so good. And I was like, oh. Thank you so much. What a sweetie. They were so nice and welcoming. My first uh, money bag was a crown royal bag. (laughs) (laughs) That works though. Yeah, it works. I mean, it's like very much like the baby stripper bag. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But it's cute. At least it's cute. You had the concept. Yeah, yeah. And I I am surprised that I danced with that for so long, to be honest. (laughs) I still have not bought my own money bag. Yeah, I mean, it's like... (laughs) you know, what works, works. If it works, it works. I yeah. don't care. <laughs> so how long have you been dancing now? I started in June. Oh, okay, cool. So you're like in the early phases. Yeah, I'm st- I am still consider myself a baby stripper. I learn new stuff like every day. It's I crazy. love that. I think yeah. it's just like whenever you're first going in, there's just like the whole like eye-opening, like everything is like a discovery. Yes, like, literally every day. Like this is... Out of all of life experiences, I feel like it's up there with college. Like, I've learned so much from this experience. And then in college, it wasn't even like the school, like, you know, part of the schooling, but just all the other life experiences. But mm-hmm. dancing, just, I was so ignorant before. Like, <laughs> I'm so happy I opened my mind more. What did you, like, how have, what have you learned so far? Or like a few things you've learned? Um, I've learned to have way much more respect for dancers of all reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. at first I thought I was so special because I'm like, yeah, I'm a college graduate. And, you know, like (laughs) I thought I was so special or I would be judging girls that, you know, full service sex workers. Like I'd be like, oh my God, I would never do that. But as you get into it or like drugs, Mm -hmm. like I've only smoked weed and alcohol. So when girls are doing coke, I'm like, 
oh my God. <laughs> but then it's like, it ended up being like some of my best friends in the club are full service sex workers and uh-huh. they do those drugs. And it's like, it has, yeah. like, they're the best people I've ever met. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I, I'm such a fan of like some of the people who like consistently do full service. Like they're just like, there's this kind of like real bravery about it because mm-hmm. you know, like so many girls are talking shit, you yeah. know? And the like stigma. The stigma of it and all of it. And just like being brave and like doing that and, you know, taking care of yourself, setting your boundaries, negotiating all of that. Like those are real skills. Seriously. Like seriously. Because you can always just be like, you know, people will say like, yeah, I would do it. But to actually go and do it and be not confident about it, but like, you know, insecure in it. Yeah. I feel like that is really brave. Yeah, it is really brave. I love that. Um, you said it's kind of like y- you felt like special having a degree in everything. Yeah. I mean, I-, I think that's something that I also have like struggled with too is like, you know, not trying to feel like having a degree makes you like a better or a higher tier of mm-hmm. stripper because like that doesn't matter. And also, at all. At all. <laughs> and also like sometimes I'm like, damn, I got screwed over by college. Seriously, it was a total waste <laughs> of time. Like yeah. literally getting your bachelor's degree, like you might as well not even go for it. Like, yeah. okay, not, not, know, not but, exactly, but, but yeah. Jobs are offering me $9 an hour when I graduated. Yeah, same. That makes no sense. Exactly. I'm like, I spent four years of my life learning things to get paid minimum wage. <laughs> right. It's a slap in the face, honestly. Yeah. Like, all those sleepless nights for $9 an hour. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. I know. And like all of the extra things, like being on call really late for like crazy bosses. Like, Yeah. It was, <laughs> I wish I had discovered dancing earlier, but then again, I'm happy I discovered it at my age I am now because I feel like I was probably more influence, influenceable. Yeah, yeah. But, or that, yeah, because I'm still even a little bit influenced, but I feel like back then, you know, it's all, life is a learning experience. So all those terrible jobs I had, they made me who I am today, so whatever. Yeah, I mean... I don't want to say like I want to, I would go back and not, and not do college and not do everything that I've done prior. But I think it's just like, just changing like how I feel and what I think about, you know, like a trajectory for what people do. And Mm -hmm. it's like, there's not like a linear way of doing anything. Um, So you're still, are you in your grad program or? Yeah. Oh, cool. How long, how many years in are you? Um, I just finished one semester, so oh, okay, three more cool. semesters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I plan on like trying to stop dancing after the two years, but mm-hmm. I actually I really enjoy it. Yeah. Like most nights, you know, sometimes you have those nights that it's just like, I hate this. Why am I doing this? Yeah. But most of the time I like it. Like I'm so shy. When I was in high school, I got into like plays and stuff, and then I would back out last minute because I was too scared to perform. Oh. Yeah. But now it's like, it's a performance all the time, like all eyes on you. And it just feels like a whole different person takes over me. Mm-hmm. And I love that feeling. Like, I'm not ready to give it up. Mm-hmm. How do you like, how have you built your confidence? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. ever since I started, I take three shots before I go in. But oh, that's hell like, yeah, Let's go hard. <laughs> <laughs> but three shots is like, kind of normal for me. That's like me being like, okay, I feel a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's for me to be able to come up to a guy and even ask him for a drink because oh. I fear rejection. 
Like, if a guy rejects me, I get livid. Like, I oh get, my gosh. it ruins the whole shift. Like, I feel upset. So the alcohol will make me be a little bit more flirty. Like, oh, come on. You know yeah. you want it. Like, you say no, and then they're like, but please. Yeah. <laughs> but, so the alcohol definitely did help, but I'm trying to learn how to, like, maneuver through all of this without alcohol. Because obviously it's, like, had some bad effects. It's bad for your health. And, you know, I can black, I tend to black out. I don't oh, yeah. really do it at work, but, like, it's happened once or twice at work. Mm-hmm. No, I remember, um, like, I don't drink anymore, just— uh, like on the job specifically because mm-hmm. uh, whenever I was first a baby stripper, <laughs> um, I was drinking and it was just like part of the club culture because like you could work at a full nude club and you could also drink. Mm-hmm. And so it was really chill and customers like wanted to share a drink with you and all of that. It would break down the tensions. And also like if I was selling like a bunch of rooms in a night, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to have a drink. But then like I remember one night I just... I kind of like lost track of my money, like what I was owed at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I ended up shortchanged. <sighs> and I was, and like my, like sugar daddy at the time was like, so how much did you leave that with that night? And I was like, oh, I left with this amount of money. And he's like, well, I paid this amount of money. And so, um, and so if you got half and she got half and it seems like there's some money missing from that number. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Like I need, so I realized I needed to like really be like on my shit, like taking notes of like, okay, save this receipt and this receipt, like keep account mm-hmm. and all of that. And I just like knew that that's what I needed for me personally. Yeah. Um. So how long did it take you to realize like you had to cut the drinking? Like when did that happen? Oh, um. so I had, I think it was just like a couple months in. So it was like two, after like two months, I guess. Um. At least you learned fast. Yeah. I mean, it's also like my, I think my body just doesn't process alcohol very well. Mm -hmm. Like as I've gotten a little bit older, like it just doesn't pass through me. And I, and I don't like get the fun feelings of alcohol. I mostly get sick. (laughs) Yeah. I hate those days. Yeah. (laughs) But one time, like the worst day I ever had, um, drinking. So first of all, I went like too far with a customer, uh-huh. like sexually, something that I wouldn't typically be like um, okay with. Girl, I mean, it happens too. Yeah, I, I felt I was crying, making a whole hysterical Aww. scene. We were in the lap dance room for like an hour uh-huh. and he was just consoling me like, it's okay, it's okay. And then I was talking to the other girls because, you know, at the end of the day, I know that it is kind of not, you know, it's normal. Yeah. I just want it like... I wanted to feel validated. Yeah. And everybody was so consoling to me. And since I was so drunk, I stayed. And it wasn't the daytime girls anymore. Now it was the nighttime girls. And this was at the small club? At the small club. Yeah. And I didn't really know these girls like that. But they were all being so nice to me and Aww. consoling me and hugging me and making me feel good. That's so good. But then, so the guy, he took me to dinner because he felt bad. And I was like uh-huh. kind of sobering up. Yeah. And then in the morning... I'm like, where's my money bag? Where's my money <gasps> bag? Where's my money bag? And yeah. it had my money from the shift before too. Oh no. Because I always keep my money bag. Like I take yeah, it yeah. everywhere. So I felt it was safer with me in my bag yeah. versus in my car. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I went back to work. I'm like, did anybody happen to find my money bag? Mm-hmm. Like who would turn that in? Mm-hmm. And the money was just gone. It was like $450. Oh no. I was... I was devastated, but I was more so devastated about what I did. Because uh-huh. 
because like sexually, because I feel like there is liberation in sexuality if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But I know that without the alcohol, I would have never like hooked up with that guy. Yeah. So I felt more so guilty about that. I was just upset about the 450, but I made it back in like two days. Yeah. So it was no biggie. But then that day I kind of learned like the daytime girls are my girls, but the nighttime girls, you know, they were being nice, but... But nobody was giving you back your money back. Yeah, and I knew that I was with somebody the whole entire time. So I'm like, I feel like they took it. But I was like, there's no way to prove it. And at the end of the day, like, hopefully they needed it more than I did. Because it's it's hard in that club. So it's like, I just let it go. Because other girls were like, "Uh uh-uh, who's messing with my Luna? I'm going to find out who took it. And I'm just like, leave it alone at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to track that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's like... I don't know. Whenever I was like first getting into dancing, I I read a bunch of forums on it and there's like one called stripper web. And one of the things was like, always keep your money bag with you and lock your lockers because you don't know, like a girl might steal from you. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I haven't had that much of an experience like that. I mean, there are definitely clubs where I kept my money closer, Mm -hmm. but I think um, the club where I'm at now, like there are girls who will literally like leave their money, like, in their bag, in the dressing room, fully open. Wow. Like, it's that trusting. Oh, but I love that. I love that, too. I think it's really beautiful to have that kind of trust with your coworkers. Yeah. At both clubs I work at, they don't even have lockers. So for that component, like, Mm -hmm. I feel safe. But, like, with my money bag, I try not to leave it alone. But Mm -hmm. with my daytime girls and my nights and my home club— like, I wouldn't even think, I would never think they would take anything from me. Like, yeah. they ride for me so yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Um, do you, like, are you a person who kind of, like, keeps your money in, like, a place instead of, like, depositing it immediately? Um, I don't deposit it immediately just because there's no banks around on my way home. And oh, on yeah. my way home, I just want to, like, go home. Well, yeah. I don't mean, like, immediately, immediately. Um, but, like, you know, within the week that you get it. Yeah. Within a week, I'll end up depositing oh, that's it. Good. Because yeah. it's, like, at some of the clubs, sometimes the manager's busy and can't give you, like, the big bills. Uh-huh. So then you'll end up having, like, 400 singles, which is oh, God, so yeah. annoying. <laughs> so I'd rather just like, go to the bank and deposit it because it's like, I can't really use it. Yeah. No, it's like hard and you want to like pay for something and you have 20 singles. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do it. Sometimes yeah. I'll pay like $60 in singles just to oh, get God, rid of right? them. <laughs> no, I mean, also like, I think a lot of places that do cash, like they need singles. Exactly. So like we really help. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the way I think of it. Everybody says that. Don't worry. They need singles. Yeah, anyway. they need singles. People want to be tipped too. Exactly. So it's like you know, it's like a it's a good economy that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think it's like so. I remember whenever I first started dancing, and all of my boundaries were just so different. Like I was really like unsure about having like people on my nipples and stuff Mm -hmm. and like body touches. And I wasn't even like, I was just, I think there's just like a time that it took for me to like generally like relax and like figure out like what's okay with me. Mm -hmm. Are you still in that place? Like of trying to figure out like what your boundaries are? Yeah. I have a really big issue with boundaries and I feel like that's why sometimes I don't make that much money Mm because I'll just be like, Okay. Because in my home club, it's like, you know, the guys will literally grope you or like, you know, literally touch your vagina or yeah, anything. Yeah. And that's like normal. So yeah. you don't want to be the person that freaks out over it. Yeah. But, you know, in my new club, 
at first they said, you can't do that. But then I see everybody still does it. So I'm like, since I started at that club and I felt so comfortable with everybody, I feel comfortable with it. Yeah. But there's certain things like, I don't know, I feel like I'm always playing kind of a role. And if a guy comes off as, like, I can be kind of dominant sometimes, Uh but if a guy comes off as dominant, I'll fall into the submissive role, even Mm -hmm. when I don't really want to. Oh, okay. Do you feel like you kind of, um, kind of make a show of having boundaries just because there is like that stigma? Like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of like shaming among other girls of, um, what you'll do or what you won't do. Um, like, oh, she's a dirty girl, blah, blah, blah. So I think like a lot of people like make a big show of like not talking about what they do or like not talking about like if they have relaxed boundaries about things. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you kind of have like to have a a bit of like a private face about like what you do in your dances and stuff with the girls at your current club? Well, honestly, the girls at my new club, I get what you're saying, but the girls at my new club, they don't speak English. Oh. Really. It's all like... Um, they're like foreign. So are they, they like Russian? Or? It's Russians and Brazilians. Oh. And then I'm the only black girl. Oh, so they just like don't, you can't even communicate like that. Yeah. And then they're just so different. I guess it's probably because it's so many girls, but it's mm-hmm. like, it'll be a new Brazilian girl that came in after me and they like welcome her, like welcome her in with open arms. Yeah. But they, I'd never quite experienced that with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like sometimes they, Cause at that club they don't dance at all. Like they just hold on to the pole and like kind of sway. Yeah. So <laughs> I came in like with everything that my like quote unquote hood club taught me. Like uh-huh. they taught me everything. Yeah. And the girls will just be like they the way they're looking is kind of like enviously and they're like giving me a stank eye. So hmm. I kind of don't like that. But I don't talk to them at all. Some girls are really nice though, and they'll say, "Can you teach me?" can you teach me something? And I have no problem teaching them. But the girls that like stare at me like with yeah. the evil eyes. <laughs> it's so yeah, hard to tell, you know, how a girl feels about you too. Cause like, I true. think like some, some cultures, like they just have like a stank face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, um, so I'm like such a fan of like the Eastern European women that work at my club. Um, they're like, whenever I talk to them, super warm and kind but from afar they like look like they hate everybody (laughs) honestly that really makes sense and one of my customers the other day because he was like you know they don't talk because they might feel embarrassed that they have an accent or that they don't know the language and I'm like they're so shy so shy I saw it differently Mm because I'm like oh these bitches are mean mugging me (laughs) like why are they looking at me like that but it's 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 cultural yeah Yeah. you have to learn because this club is just like so completely different from uh-huh. my home club. So it's like, I, I really saw that the first time. I'm like, yeah. wow, maybe they're not like being, maybe they're not being mean. Maybe yeah. Just, and maybe they're not being judgmental. They're just, their faces just like that. Look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like been really like so nice for me talking to some of like the international dancers because like their experiences are really different. And I think like while American girls like really hustle hard, mm-hmm. there's just like this like deep necessity to hustle if you're like an international worker, you exactly. know, like yeah. to support your visa or to support your family and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, but not that, you know, dancers here don't do that. I mean, we definitely support our families and support yeah. everybody, but it's kind of like Americans have like a kind of freewheeling, easygoing yeah, like, way of hustling. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like just being very honest. Mm-hmm. I, I've 
changed my opinion on sex workers since I started working, but I still had this like, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of a privileged outlook because I'm just doing this, not, I'm, it's not that I'm doing this for the hell of it. Like I need it for school yeah. and stuff, but- my, You don't have to. I don't really have to. And I have my family that they could support me if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I changed my outlook, but I would still see it as like, you know, like full service sex work and stuff. I'd still be like, well, I would never do that. I don't get why they do it. Mm-hmm. But at my new club, I met this girl from another country and she's like supporting her family and they desperately need money because people are sick and stuff. Yeah. So she told me one day that she was doing a VIP and I was like, what happens in VIP? And then she was like, you know, you have sex with them. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, but she was telling me about her sick relatives and that they needed like $2,000 in two days. Yeah. And I was, it really opened my eyes. And it's like, at the end of the day, you don't have to have some like drastic story like that. Like if you no, want to no. have sex for money, like that is your, that's your prerogative. So it really opened my mind that way. Cause you never know, like she didn't have to share that with me and I should be okay with her yeah. doing that anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, I've kind of, I mean, I've been a little bit hesitant to ask outright, you know, like, cause I don't want to make some girl feel like I might shame her. Yeah. There's always like, cause I feel even whenever people just ask me what my occupation is or stuff like that, or start asking like, you know, what do you do as a stripper? Like, what's a dance like? Like, I, I even get like, oh, like, I don't know if I, I'm ready to talk about this. Like, mm-hmm. you're a stranger. Yeah. I don't maybe trust you enough to like tell you what I do and stuff like that. So to like ask somebody who like you think they're probably doing full service. It's like, I, I have my hesitation and I get like, I don't want to, I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable in any way. Right. Yeah. That's how I felt. Cause I was like, a customer told me like, yeah, in VIP, cause he wanted to go to VIP with me. And I was like, what happens in VIP? And he was like, oh, don't act stupid. And I was like, what? I'm not acting stupid. That's he was so like, rude. Right. He's like, you know what happens. I was like, I literally don't. And he was like, you have sex in there. But I thought he was just saying that because he wanted to have sex with yeah. me. But this girl, she had been so nice to me from day one. That's like mm-hmm. the only girl that was talking to me like yeah. three weeks in. So I was like, if you don't mind me asking, like, what really happens in there? And then she just told me like flat out. Yeah. But I always try to make people feel comfortable because I have no place to judge yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. In my old club, though. I love it, but there the one thing I kind of disliked about it was that sometimes the girls weren't like customers would be homophobic or oh. sexist or racist, and I would be like outraged about it. Uh-huh. And they didn't see it. Yeah. And that was kind of like a little bit annoying. Like some of them will even still judge the others, like full service sex workers that uh. have been they've worked together for years. I'm like, yeah. how can you? I don't it's it's dumb, especially like some girls, they do it, but then they're like on the down low mm-hmm. and then like judging the other girls. Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, yeah. Who cares? And I think honestly, like also who hasn't kind of like relaxed a boundary for a customer that right. maybe you like, or maybe you feel like there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. Exactly. You know, it's like nobody's better. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I liked about most of the girls at my old club, because most of them will be like, yeah, girl, I just went in there and did X, Y, Z. Or like, you know, they're so relaxed because some girls feel like they have to put up this front. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be like, yeah, girl, I had a raging yeast infection. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, yes, because <laughs> I get yeast infections yes. and other girls want to act like they've never had oh one. Oh my God, right? Know? And it's like, like my pussy would never. <laughs> yeah, right? My pussy stay wet. Like, no, girl. So it's no. like so nice to be around people who are so authentic and uh-huh. just like 
you because, you know, we all have these thoughts and stuff or like, you know, experiences. And if everybody's keeping up this front, you feel so isolated. But most of the girls that you, you know, they'll be like, oh, girl, that's no big deal. Yeah, I did that. She's like, if you're wet, you're wet. Go for it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> have you ever like um, caught feelings for a customer? Um, there was one guy that I like started meeting outside of the club. Yeah. But then it wasn't until after we hooked up that he told me he was 50 years old and he had a wife. I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, all right, you just like finessed the hell out of me. But I I never caught like serious, serious feelings. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes you catch feelings and stuff. And also, eh, whatever. Like I... (laughs) I've like been dealing with feelings for a customer recently mm-hmm. and um, we've been like hanging out outside of the club and stuff and it's like, it's fun, but it is definitely like, maybe I shouldn't like be doing this like as a, I don't know, like, am I hurting my money in a way? Mm. But in the end, like relationships are kind of like more important. Yeah. I think especially since if he met you there. Like, he knows the real you. Because I feel like dating is kind of hard. Yeah. Guys it's like, like I don't have to, like, lie. Yeah. And I don't have to explain. Yeah. And he could still be like, I mean, at my old club, there will be, like, a lot of freaks, like, weird-ass dudes. But there's plenty of, you know, normal functioning guys yeah. that go. So I don't see any issue with it. What do you, um, like, I think that that's, like, a really big misconception that people have is that there's just, like, one kind of strip club customer. Right. And, like, how has that kind of, like, changed for you, like, your time working um it kind of it changed from like not only within my home club and then transitioning kind of but in my home club it's literally like the same 12 dudes yeah every day every single day and it's like some of them are really respectful Mm -hmm. but then some of them are like disgusting and trying to like you know get the most bang for their buck like they'll wiggle a dollar in front of you and want you to like god do everything but they then, think that a dollar is worth your time. Right. Like, you want me to, like, <laughs> climb to the top of the pole and, like, fall into a split for a dollar. like For a dollar. For a dollar. And the way they wiggle it, like, you know, I've experienced some really nasty customers. I'm like, do you have, like, tape stuck to your fingers? <laughs> right. I hate when they do that. Like, especially if I'm sitting with a guy and he does that to another girl. I'm just like, give oh, her God. her goddamn dollar. Yeah, just give it to her. Especially when you're trying to collect money, like, fast and stuff. And yeah. this guy's like, oh, but... Yeah, it's I've, like, I, and also I'm just like, who thinks that a dollar is an incentive? Like, if I wiggled a dollar in front of his face, what would he do? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. Like, yeah. of course we want our dollar, but it's just like, for me, the dollar is more of like a symbol of respect. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I know the dollar is not going to do much, but I hate when the dude won't give me a single dollar. Yeah. Just give me a dollar and I'll go away. Yeah. Like, especially if they don't say anything. And I'm just there like, hi. Yeah. You're like dancing in front of them. You have your tits out. Right. Smiling and cute. Like, right. And compensate me. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many different guys though. Because some guys, a lot of time, I'll like latch on to a guy that's not perverted. Uh-huh. And then we just talk, talk, talk. And they tell me so much of their life experience. Yeah. And it's just like, Wow kind of cool yeah yeah <laughs> and at the other club it's the same thing i sense they're not so gropy and touchy it's more talking mm-hmm. so there's so many different guys yeah there's i mean there's so many different guys and like what people want is like all over the map literally and sometimes i actually kind of feel bad like i've had a couple guys that 
they like end up falling in love with me yeah. because of the way like I talk to them and listen to them. And it makes me feel bad because I'm like, I don't want to lead them on, but I do want your money. Yeah. I mean, but, it's like yeah. not going to be reciprocated, but it's like you should know that you're in this environment, you exactly. know, and you should be compensating me. Right. Like, because some guys seriously think I'm about to be their girlfriend. I'm oh, like, you God. literally met me at the strip club. No. Like, what did you think? <laughs> like, what did you think? This isn't like Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what did you expect? You're like a 72 year old, mm-hmm. like, old man. And, you know, like, yeah. it's like, you really, really like. What I mean, do you some think people, you're bringing to the table? Right. Besides money. Besides money. And it's like, you, you have to be really properly compensating me <laughs> yeah like seriously so I've had some troubles with like customers that I know I could probably finesse them mm-hmm. but I feel so bad because they'll be so in love and I'm I like know. I'm sorry baby yeah this isn't working <laughs> I know it's like it's so hard like and it's just that kind of like emotional labor of like yes and also if you're an empath yes it's like you care like I care and I can tell you care and so it's like you want to be like fair and you want to be kind and nurturing. Mm. But then it gets to this point where you it's like nothing is going to happen. You see them going down this path of like obsession and you're like, well, I need to make my money, but I also am concerned about you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like to the T. Exactly like that. And I sometimes I wish I could just be like mean because yeah. the other girls, I've seen them, like, it literally works better. Because if a guy sees you kind of, like, treading lightly and, like, you know, just talking to them nicely and they see you as relaxed and laid back, I feel like they end up taking advantage of yeah. me. And then I end up falling into that role. Oh, Whereas yeah. when other girls walk up to them and they're like, where's my money, bitch? Like, <laughs> I have friends that literally walk up to a guy like that. I love and that. And they will give him money. They Hell will give yeah. him money. Oh I want to be like that so bad. But I say it and then I just can't do it. Like, I know. It's so hard. I feel like it's kind of mixed because it's like on the one hand you may get their fucking money bitch but it's like (laughs) (laughs) right but it's also like I think having that kind of emotional nurturing is good for regulars to like bring people back yeah definitely but it's like sometimes I'm sitting with a regular and I'm like 20 minutes into you know their conversation about their wife and kids and I'm like I have four dollars Oh, girl. (laughs) No, I mean, that's something that took me time to master, too, is just, like, when to cut people off and to, like, you know, like, who's really worth the time and who's just going to, you know, tip me four bucks. And it's, like, I won't even start giving them my time until they start tipping me in 20s, you know? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I need to pick that up. Yeah. um, And then another thing that I've learned, like, dancing is for so long is just, like, um, you can be really firm with people, but like in a in a supportive way, mm-hmm. kind of like a like a chastising parent. Yeah. Like I always, I'm like the person who will tell off my clients, like, really? but not in a mean way. It's just like, um. So I uh, I have one client who loves giving advice to people, and he's also, I mean, he's like like a charismatic like person who could be like a cult leader essentially like okay. he, he will get he will hold hands with people in a restaurant and stuff and like you know trade energy and get people dancing in circles and wow. stuff and he's just that's just like how he is and so mm-hmm. he feels like he can give me advice and other like my friends advice if I like take him out and I'm just like look you're not going to give us advice you're not going to white man us right now you have no idea what my experience is as a black woman Mm -hmm. and you will never be able to give me advice that makes sense like 
to what my experience is because you have a huge blind spot. Mm -hmm. You're a white man with a lot of privilege and maybe you don't feel like you do because you didn't grow up especially affluent, but you move through life very differently than I do. Mm -hmm. So I just go in like that. Like I will explain things to people and they'll be like, oh, okay, I get that. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be like, this is like, I really care about you, but I also need my space and I care about, you know, being able to do what I need to do for myself. And I need you to, you know, understand that our relationship is what it is and not have unrealistic expectations. Yeah. And like, usually guys kind of get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they need that firmness. And also I think it brings them back because like a lot of people won't tell them straight, you know, how mm-hmm. it is. No, that totally makes sense. Because sometimes it's like, I'll try to go around, like sugarcoat it. Yeah. And I feel like they get angrier or they get like, they see that you're not all the way in. They get confused. Y- yeah. I, I feel like a little confused or yeah, definitely confused. But I feel like sometimes they get, for me particularly, because uh-huh. of like this kind of like, you know, sweet girl submissive role, they start to yeah. get like a little angry or feel like they can talk to me a certain way. Mm. But I feel like, because the thing is that if I do like, Sometimes I will tell a customer off, but it's like in an emotional rage and I'm oh, like yeah. screaming yeah. and it's like, I have to get escorted away. Oh, God. <laughs> there needs to be a middle ground. Like, yeah. I, I feel like the way you said it, like firmly, but respectfully, mm-hmm. I feel like that, I feel like guys tend to get it in that aspect. Yeah. And it's like, you be firm with them, but it's like, you affirm them at the same time. Yeah. It's like, I appreciate you. I appreciate our relationship. You bring a lot to my life and I totally value the time that we spend together. But da 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 Right. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And then check in, be like, how do you feel? What are you thinking? You know, how are you responding to this? And then you can kind of answer as you go. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that shit takes time. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to eventually get there, especially now that I kind of got out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Now, because like this guy that I met at the club... He did a money shower on me once. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Good. And then we, he's like, I want to take you out to dinner. And he was like, with most customers, I'd be like, this week isn't good. You yeah. know, I'll keep doing that over and uh-huh. over until it just like, you know, they stop asking. Uh-huh. But he was like, well, how about Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Damn, and- this man has an open schedule. Right. <laughs> I'm like, so- what are you doing? You have nothing else going on? <laughs> exactly. So we end up going out uh-huh. and then... It's like, it was nice, but then he wants to be like kissing and acting like girlfriend and boyfriend. And I'm like, you're not giving me money though. I'm not like no. hanging out with you just for dates. Yeah. So I, oh he's God. been blowing up my phone for like a week and I kind of was ignoring him. Oh. But then he's like, I was just like, I have to be straightforward because yeah. I don't want him to get angry or yeah. upset. Because when I see him, I still want to say hi. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I can't be texting you all day mm-hmm. and going to dinner with you all the time. So I like stood my ground a little bit. Good. I was just like. I don't see this going anywhere further. And yeah. he, he got it. Like when you're simple like that, no long explanations, mm-hmm. they tend to get it. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've definitely like gone on my share of like dates to nowhere and not getting compensated. So yeah, and like just feeling that obligation, I think it's like something that as women, like we're conditioned to feel like, oh, I need to be like so gentle with him and his feelings right. and not hurt him and you know, it's okay. I'll just do this so that, you know, I don't hurt him. Exactly. When they will not give a second thought. To no, that. <laughs> they, they will really, not. And it's, they really won't. And they don't understand, like, they're not registering how aggressive it is to, like, blow up your phone right. or to, like, be that, like, insistently available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had, like, 
this first guy that wanted, he wanted to be my sugar daddy, but he was just like, so like, so, so, so old. He looked like 90 mm. and he wanted to be my sugar daddy. But what I loved about him, he was so respectful. That's He's so like, nice. we won't, we won't take this to the next level until you're comfortable. Like I understand okay. the job you have mm-hmm. and it can be unsafe. I want you to trust me. I love that outlook on him. And that's why I kind of let him go. Cause I'm like, he deserves a girl who like really loves him. And wants no. to be with him. I, I think it's kind of like, I mean, I have that experience too. Like, cause I definitely have customers where I'm like, you're so good and you deserve something real. Yeah. But I also think like whenever you're dealing with an older guy like that and you kind of just got to, you got to accept it in a way, you yeah. know? <laughs> like yeah. The guy I was dating at the time said it. He's like, um, Luna, he's like, he's like a 90 year old mm-hmm. man looking for a 23 year old girlfriend. You're probably the nicest girl he's going to come yeah. across. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just felt bad, like delaying it. Cause I knew sex was never, absolutely never going to happen. Oh yeah, totally. So, but I think also like at that age, she probably can't, <laughs> but he wanted it. That's why he's like, come to my house. I'm like, uh, I felt bad with him asking continuously. So yeah. I kind of like cut it off because he knew it was never going to happen. Oh, well, if he was pressuring you for sex, then it's kind of a different thing. Yeah. I mean, he I, wasn't pressuring me, but he eventually wanted to get there and it was yeah. never going to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think also like being realistic with these people, it, it depends because sometimes like you think you can be realistic with somebody and then they're just like emotionally like not able to, mm-hmm. you know, like they're just delusional yeah and they get like they end up irate or whatever you Mm -hmm. know like like, i can't believe you'd think that of me blah 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 like yeah it's like i'm you they get like offended if you talk about their age difference to you and stuff and like what world are you living in (laughs) like i'm just trying to be real with you yeah yeah i recently had another guy that wanted to be my sugar daddy but he was a compulsive liar oh no so extremely aggressive and i'm like oh no you know you have to relax because it's like I just met you. Girls are out here getting kidnapped and shit. And you want to just like, you know, jump board. That's what made me miss the first sugar daddy. Because I'm like, at least he like respected my boundaries and understood where I was coming from. Yeah, I think it's also like you can really kind of sit and wait for your sugar daddies to come to you. Like I think that, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I made back when I was looking for a sugar daddy on seeking arrangements and stuff well, it was when I just didn't know how to do it properly, I think. And yeah. I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, I didn't know how to, like, suss out people's intentions and income levels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but also, I was, like, trying to do it too fast. Um, but I think, like, now that I've been in this industry and now I have, like, a handful of daddies, it's, like, they kind of come to you. And, like, there's just a way about them, like, a way of knowing, like, that they're serious and that they're, like, going to be the right fit for you. Right. And it's, like, important not to just kind of rush it into somebody who says they want to be a sugar daddy. Exactly. Because I think a lot of times the guys who say it are not the guys who can provide it. Agreed. Because, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, I don't want a relationship with these men, but, like, I want to at least enjoy my company with you. Like, yeah. this guy, this most recent guy, it was, like, I need payment just for texting you because you're yes. so fucking annoying some people are fucking high maintenance yes and it's like oh my god you're so annoying like i want a sugar daddy that it's like <laughs> <laughs> at least i enjoy his company at yeah the minimum. like because even though i don't want to you know you can be old and we still enjoy our company together uh-huh definitely i think it's it's like it's really just a matter of like what their maturity level is and how you relate like are your personalities right. compatible yeah and like that's so important because it is 
it is a kind of relationship. Like, yeah, it takes the time of a relationship and the mental energy of it, and like, that's so true. Like romantic creativity mm-hmm. to sustain. So, yeah, I guess it is kind of a relationship. yeah. So it's like you really have to like that compatibility is like kind of underestimated. It's so important. Yeah, like for me personally, I can't just be like you know with some annoying dude and just get his, all his money. Like I have yeah. to at least kind of like you because. I'd rather just pass up on the money if you're going to be that annoying or, yeah. you know, like, you know, saying racial comments or anything oh, crazy. Oh, God. Yeah, because in my new club, it's like you'll get guys that they don't like black girls at all or yeah. guys that, like, kind of fetishize black girls. Yeah, and those are both, like, not the right one. It's like, yeah. I just want to be a human. Yeah. Right. Just, just, I'm just a woman. <laughs> yeah, like, no biggie. Yeah. I think also what's, like, really great with sugar dating and um, being a stripper is, like, you kind of have— a price point set, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, that on a really good night, you can make X amount of money. Yeah. And so to like, take it outside of the club for me, I'm like, I need to have like, at least the highest end of whatever I'm making at the club. That makes sense. You know? mm-hmm. I think people who go in it without that kind of like experience will start to lowball themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of the worst thing you can do because there's like this, um, like <laughs> the longer you're in a sugar relationship, a lot of times, like the lower the price point goes, like mm-hmm. they try to undercut you and say, oh, well, we know each other and I like you so much yeah. and we have a real relationship, we're real friends. Mm-hmm. So can I just pay you a little bit less this time mm-hmm. and on and on. So it's good to start like pretty high, like more than you expect and that anybody would say yes to. That totally, that makes so much sense because they will do that. You know, it's yeah. kind of what you tolerate in the beginning. They like, men are, I feel like a lot of men are like testers. Like, yeah. Let's see what she'll take. Let's yeah. see what she'll take. Uh-huh. So yeah. They woo sense. you in with like a lot or something. Yeah. And then gradually they're like, okay, I got her. Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> happened to me a couple of times. Oh yeah, totally. Like in the, in the work life and also in the civvy world. <laughs> yes. Uh, tipple. It, like it's always tipple. <laughs> It's like, you know, the first time you have sex with somebody, they pull out all the stops. And then you're right. in there like, wow. <laughs> right. That was just like a board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you see kind of discrimination in your club? You said that, you know, that there's definitely guys who will be like, I don't talk to black girls. And, oh, in the new club, right? Yeah, in the new club. Or both clubs, honestly, because I feel like it's kind of, it's ubiquitous. Well, in my old club, it was only black girls. Oh, really? Yeah. There was, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was only black girls. It was so cool. I loved it. Wow, that's like, awesome. Literally, we just got a white girl because I went, like, I try. I <laughs> like, she's like, we just got one. Yeah, we just got one. And she's so cool. I love her because uh-huh. she's not like, she just fits in without, like, trying too hard. Mm-hmm. And she's so down to earth and sweet. I love her. That's true. But yeah, at my new club, it's kind of hard sometimes because... It's like when you get when you get repeatedly denied, like mm-hmm. rejected, like sometimes it'll be like three guys in a row reject me. Oh, and it's yeah. just like super it's exhausting. Dead. Yeah. And it's like it takes a role, it takes a toll on your like your self-esteem and confidence. Yeah. Even though, you know, you can feel like the baddest bitch, but it's just like, well, it doesn't yeah. matter if nobody wants to even sit with me. Yeah. Cause I feel like some guys they might think I would just want to sit with them and be like, give me your money. But sometimes I just want to like at least sit with you and talk with you. Yeah. Because in my old club when it was dead, me and the girls would just sit and chat and drink and whatever. I don't have the girls at my new club to do that. Yeah. With. So sometimes I'll be like, whatever, there's not money, but I, yeah. I like to sit and talk. But And also, I mean, I want to say like it, it also can just like help your mental health too to like, you know, vent about it or 
to just have that companionship to blow off steam whenever you've gotten rejections too. Right. Or if you're feeling stressed. Yeah, that is true. Because it's just like, I have nobody to talk to when that happens. Because I'll be like, you know, sometimes you have to be super confident. I'm like, I'm the baddest bitch in this club. (laughs) I just nearly broke my neck climbing to the top of the ceiling. And these guys, like, they don't want to give me the time of day. And it just makes, like, I don't like to pull the race card. But sometimes I'm just like, I feel like it's just because I'm black because... No, it is, though. Yeah. It, it is. It's like, you know, you can be the baddest black girl in a club. And, like, you're just, like, there's just, like, this invisibility, mm-hmm. I think. Like, you know, you see, like, a white girl get on stage and people turn their heads, you know? Like, it's yeah. like they don't even have to do anything <laughs> Yeah, a lot literally. of times it's just like, oh, there's a white girl, and like it's as if something's in the air whenever a black girl is there. That it's like this invisibility, <laughs> right? I'm here like upside down, and I'm looking around at yeah. the crowd, and nobody's looking at me. Exactly. They're on like the phones. I'm like, oh my god, it's just it. It can be really disheartening too, especially like I'm just like I have so much more personality yeah. than this girl too. But and honestly, like I've, personality and dancing abilities. Yeah, like it's all it all like affects it. But honestly, I do feel like it's more so from like non-black people of color Uh because like white guys, they love me. But sometimes if there's like non-black people of color there, they're the ones that won't even want to tip me. And I'm just like, why are you this way? And they're like, I always tell them off. I'm like, you're here to spend money, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Give me a dollar. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like a mobster. I want my dollar. No, good. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It's like, it just, it ruins the mood. But yeah, I, I definitely feel the discrimination a little bit and sometimes like I feel like guys don't want to give you as much as they will give another yeah. woman so it's yeah it's, it's crazy no I definitely have um a lot of customers that think that they can like pay me less because I'm a woman of color yeah like that I'll just do more for less right I I really started seeing that mm-hmm. you don't like you don't I feel like I didn't really experience anything until I got deeper in and it's like like I said every day you learn something new like oh, okay so he would give her this much yeah. to do this but he'll only give me this much to do that like yeah it's crazy it is crazy I think it's also like interesting now to like working with so many um like Eastern European women like I also see them experience xenophobia like What's that? So xenophobia is just like the fear of foreigners uh, and uh, just like uh, discrimination. Like, yeah. you know, if you notice that somebody just isn't from there. So people discriminate against them, like with their accents and stuff. And they say like, they'll just say all kinds of stuff about like, oh, I don't like European or Eastern European women or Russian girls. Like mm-hmm. they're all just this or they're all just that. And yeah. Honestly, I have experienced that. I've worked like, there was like a couple clubs that I've worked at in between like for a day or two. And mm-hmm. it also had like a lot of Russians. My customers would be like, don't trust those Russian girls. Yeah. I don't like them, whatever. And then like at my new club, they're like, oh, finally, a girl who speaks English. Oh my God, yeah. And it's like, I also kind of hate when they like put other girls down thinking that's going to make me like, that doesn't make me feel more confident. Like, No, it doesn't. be about me. You don't have to talk about anybody Yeah, else. you don't need to like set us in competition with each other. Right. I, to, I like, really hate when compliment guys do that. me. That's just yeah. so, it's so backwards. Exactly. Like, it's like these men just think that we're constantly like, you know, out for each other, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's seriously never, it's not usually like that. Like mm-hmm. I haven't worked at a club yet that it's been like, you know, some competition and petty stuff. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I haven't really noticed that I, um, I mean, I've, there's definitely uh, clubs that I've worked at where it's been like very clicky mm-hmm. and stuff, but it hasn't been like overtly competitive. And I think there's a lot of like cooperation and sharing and like, 
you know, teaching between dancers. Yeah. Even at like the, like one of my least favorite clubs like that I worked at, like girls were still like really nice, always like talking to the new girls, willing to like share tips and stuff and just like generally supportive. I love that. Yeah. I really like that. Like I try to do that for new girls when I come, like when I see a new girl at any club, even if I'm not established there, like try to be nice to them because I know that on my first day it was terrifying. Like my friend that I told you about earlier that she started dancing like two weeks after me, Mm -hmm. the girl that had welcomed me and wasn't working there anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was like the girls were kind of cold to her and then she never came back. So it's like, you know, just... Just that little bit of like warmth makes such a difference. Right, exactly. Because if that girl wasn't there for me, maybe I would never came back either. So I try to make the girls feel comfortable, you know, like try and feel them out a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially when they're, you know, quiet. Just want to see where they're coming from. Yeah. I I mean, it's always like really cute to see like a baby stripper like come in like (laughs) the first time. Maybe they don't have pleasers or anything. They're just in like whatever heels they have and stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) I don't feel that way yet because I'm still a baby stripper. But I'm like, I'm like, oh, she's probably scared. Yeah, like, oh, she's probably scared and like a little uncomfortable and getting used to things. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, it's always like, I love kind of helping or like mentoring other girls at my club since I've been there for a little while. Like I'm, I love to like, you know, be there to support people if I can, or like give them tips like, Oh, like you're new. Talk to this guy. Cause like he, he always buys dances with new girls, any new girl. He'll always like tip you like at least Mm -hmm. 60 bucks, like go over to him or whatever. Like I love to give advice like that. That's so awesome. Because it's like, it's a hard transition and it can be really lonely. Seriously, really, really lonely. I I don't know. I really don't think I'd still be a dancer if it wasn't the crew of girls that I met when I started. Mm -hmm. Do you have a beauty routine? Um, Or even just like a getting ready routine? Like how do you prepare yourself for work? Well, I always get ready at work. And that's like a habit (laughs) of my old job. Because it's like in the... In the locker room, we're all getting ready together and just chatting and keeping up with each other and talking or listening to music. Mm-hmm. So it was more like a social socialization type of thing. Yeah. But at my new club, it's like dead silent. <gasps> and I'm here like getting dressed. And it's uh-huh. like, you know, I always come kind of late. It's like the, the rules are stricter at the new club. Yeah. So it's like sometimes you got to get there before 12 and you get there at 12 and they might be like, all right, you're up at 1220. And then oh, my God. face is not done at yeah, all. Ha- you have like one eye on. Like- <laughs> yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, so you just have to run up. So yeah. it's like, the, it's different, but I might start just getting ready at home because yeah. it's like, it's not worth it. It's kind of boring at this new club to get yeah. ready there. Do you kind of like roll in in like sweats or like some comfy outfit? <laughs> yeah. Like I'll have like a big baggy t-shirt that I slept in. Mm-hmm. Like my wig is lopsided. <laughs> And I have nothing on my face. I yeah. just get ready like, there. I'm just in. <laughs> yeah, like I'm here. I re- I'm like clocked in. I'm here. I love that. <laughs> I think it's like always fun whenever you're like out and you see like a really gorgeous girl with a full face of makeup and like nice hair and everything, but in like sweats <laughs> and yeah. like yeah, and like trainers. Just right, because <laughs> at the end of my shift, now it's the same outfit, but with like yeah. lashes and like smoky yeah. eyes. Yeah, you're like, she just got off work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And do you like kind of take time to prepare yourself like mentally or physically? Like, do you stretch or yeah, do you I, drink tea or eat I drink stuff? tea at night 
Like mm-hmm. when I get home, like I, when I get home, I like to smoke a blunt, yeah. drink some tea <laughs> and just like unwind and relax. Mm-hmm. But before I have to stretch or else I'm like, I can't even lift my leg on stage. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like I have to stretch. Uh-huh. But I do need more like mental training because it really is like, you know, I've heard girls say like, I needed a mental break. So I didn't work for a month. Yeah. And I'm always like, how? I don't get it. But it does become like emotional responsibility. Like, you know, I feel responsible for these men's emotions or like the other girls that I'm working with or the managers or Mm -hmm. my own emotions. So I do probably need to like start doing meditation or something or journaling at least. Sometimes I journal, but it's like, I don't want anybody to find it. Yeah, no. And it's hard. Do you live with your family? No, I live by myself, but my cousin does live with me. Uh And I used to have like my boyfriend over all the time. Uh-huh. So I would get scared that he would ever like open my journal because oh. I'm real careless with it. It'll be like on the bed or on yeah, the floor. Yeah. So I was get kind of nervous. Did your boyfriend know that you were dancing? Yeah. Oh, I that's mean, cool. He wasn't really my boyfriend. He was some guy that I had started <laughs> dating. Yeah, you were talking to. We were talking. Yeah. And we hit it off. So I'm like on day two, I was like, I just feel like I need to tell him because yeah. I just don't want to like create a bond with somebody and then tell them that because I can't, then, I'm not yeah. going to lie. And then, you know, everything falls apart. So I told him right away and he mm-hmm. was very cool about it. That's cool. And respectful. But I feel like it kind of like latched me onto him because yeah. sometimes he's bad news. But then I'm like, ah, I'm like scared to get out there in the dating world yeah. and have people that don't accept me or have people that use it against me or try to take advantage. Yeah. Or try and tell you what to do. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to like find a, a good supportive partner. And also I think it's like, I don't think like most of us have partners who we can like fully disclose everything to. Yeah. Like even with my partner, like I don't fully talk about everything that I do at the club. Mm -hmm. And it's just like for his health and for my health. And also because like sometimes like I have mixed feelings, you know, like maybe it's something like I'm still like thinking about what happened and how to talk about it and how I feel about it and when I think about it. Yeah. No, that makes so much sense because that's exactly how it is. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, I went a little farther than usual, but not gonna tell him like yeah he doesn't need to know yeah. as long as you know everything's safe and stuff but uh-huh. yeah I try to like as sometimes for like you said both our health and it's, it's true because sometimes you do something you're just really not sure like was I comfortable with that or was yeah. I uncomfortable or did yeah. I like that or did I not like it and it's like if you have like a supportive partner too it's like you know my partner more than anything he'll just get concerned he'll be like are you okay like what's going on with your emotions? Like, is your body okay? Like, do you, like what, you know, he feels like he needs to like help and and just like gets concerned and anxious about me and my safety. Yeah. Which is totally like such a beautiful response, but it's like, I'm already stressed. Right. (laughs) And I like can't be handling your stressed emotions about it too. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense because like a lot of guys, it's like then you have to end up taking care of them when Mm -hmm. it's something that you experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard. Do you have like a community of people that you can talk to? I mean, you kind of say that you go back to your old club and that's like a way that you can like talk and share things and catch up. Yeah, it's mostly them because they're like, I talk to my mom all the time. Oh, that's so nice that you have like a really, like, she's come and watched me because she goes to, she used to go to strip clubs all the time. What a great mom. (laughs) (laughs) And all the girls will be hitting on her. And then she's like, no, my girl's on stage. Oh, that is so cute. (laughs) But my mom, obviously, she's like, you know, you're just a dancer. Like, there's no harm in that. And I'm like, sometimes but I definitely don't ever want to worry her and like my friends too like 
you know, they're open, but there's just some things that you will never understand until you're actually a dancer. Oh yeah, totally. It's just like the real nitty gritty of it too. It's just, I mean, there are definitely some clubs that are exclusively about stage and very like superficial, but I think a lot of clubs are not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's more so like, you know, everything that goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. But I, I guess my community really is those girls because I know that they're never going to judge me. Like they, yeah. I could tell them anything and they, they're like, oh girl, I want to die. Yeah. It's <laughs> so cool. And it makes me feel so validated because you might feel like comfortable with your friends or yeah. your mom, but then they make you feel a certain type of way about something you did or, yeah. you know, whatever. And then it just, it adds on. Now it's like, damn, maybe I really was wrong or maybe I really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard whenever you have people who just don't get it and you're talking about it and it's like this super vulnerable thing. Yeah. I mean, I still have a lot of trouble like expressing, like talking about what I do, like what extras I provide and all of that. And it's like, and I've been in this industry for a a little bit. so, So it's like, it's hard to kind of overcome like all of those external pressures to like be a certain thing. Right. And like you said, like sometimes you're still like, juggling with how you feel about it. Yeah. So sometimes that's why I feel like I have to like explode and talk to somebody. And yeah. sometimes it's like the wrong person. That's not the wrong person because no yeah. advice is necessarily right or wrong, but it's like somebody that's going to make you feel worse about it. Yeah. Like I just, sometimes I want that neutral person, not somebody who's going to like egg me on necessarily, but not mm-hmm. someone who's going to be like, you should have never did that. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard sometimes. I think also like there's just, like sexual assault is so common in the club, yeah. but it's just like the line of that is very blurry. And it's really just like a feeling that something went too far. Mm-hmm. And like how, like the person, the people that you feel comfortable talking to about that, it's like so few because either people get really worried or they get really angry or they get protective and they, or they want to do something about it. Yeah, And it's like, maybe you just need to voice that this happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's what it really is sometimes. Like one time something happened, my friend was like, that's rape. And I was like, oh, I, was like, yeah. I didn't think it was rape. But she was like, no, that's rape. And then it started making me see the whole thing differently, yeah. like in a way worse perspective. I mean, it was like a bad experience, but then I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So it's like sometimes the advice goes a little bit too far and then brings you into like a whole nother whirlwind of emotions. And I think it's like the power of like how you characterize like an experience is just like, it's mm-hmm. like you can't even, it's indescribable. It's like, what what box you put it into will completely change like how you're coping with it or what actions you take or who you tell, how you're able to like write your own story in your mind. Yeah, It's like, was I raped or did things go a little too far? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, just, just all of that variation. I think I see that especially like um, outside of like the stripping world. I think like with uh, a lot of black men who kind of started – like we're initiated into sex um, at an early age by like an older woman. Yeah. I hear that a lot with my friends, like across the board. And um, and a lot of them are like, oh, well, I mean, it was okay. Like it wasn't like anything bad. Like, I, you know, like at the time I thought it was cool. It was like my first blowjob or whatever. Like it was the first time I had like had sex with a woman. Like, like I don't think of it as rape. Mm-hmm. But like if they change that, like, and I think it's like something that they are framing in a way to protect themselves yeah. and to not claim that narrative that they were assaulted and that was like their first foray into sexuality. 
good. So, yeah. So it's like how we kind of like gently like create these narratives is so important. Right. It's almost kind of like a coping mechanism to be yeah. like, I'm not a victim. Yeah. It, it could be like that or sometimes it could really be like, didn't feel like you were, but it's like the lines really are just so blurry because it's like, were his intentions malicious or did he just get carried away too? Or like, you know, because I always try and see both sides and yeah. like how the whole predicament came about. Yeah. And also like um, what we think of as rape is like, I mean, I feel like there's just kind of different degrees of sexual assault, you know, mm-hmm. like things that are like, I consented to this kind of situation, but it became this, but yeah. also like the kind of coercion, um, like where you, where it's like, not as if you didn't say no or something. It's like, or it's like, you didn't say no, but it's like a situation where you didn't feel like you could say no. Mm-hmm. And just like the power of that versus like something overtly like. You know, yeah. I said, no, stop like crossing this boundary, like the pressure versus anyway, I'm not explaining it very well, but it's but just like, it. but yeah, it's like, um, what we understand and what we choose to say about it is just like, so important. Mm-hmm. Or even some guys, like when they try and get you drunk, like, yeah, I hate when I notice that, like, you don't want to give me dollars, but you'll get me like eight Jack and Cokes. Like, yeah. What is that about? And yeah. then try and bring you upstairs. And because I feel like that's where it becomes blurry when you like, you don't really know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And you're not in your body the same way. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of like, you know, it's weird. But then I'll be like, oh, but they were drinking too. But then my friend mm-hmm. is like, but you know, he probably wasn't as drunk as you were. Yeah. So it's like, it everything just gets so blurry. And then you kind of start to like blame yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I should have never got that drunk. Or I should have never accepted that many drinks. Yeah. So it gets like, the lines are just so blurry, but yeah, and it may not even be just like being inebriated. It could be like emotionally, like you come into work on a day when you're just not a hundred percent okay, and mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, I guess I'll do this because like I'm getting desperate for money. Yeah, you like have that, that desperation all radiating off of you, and then you're like, I'll just do whatever. Like, right, even that. Yeah, that's so true. So it's hard to like have those firm boundaries and to characterize things. Mm. What do you think of strip clubs in Jersey? Mm, they're not really what I expected them to be. Like, I expected it to be like in the movies where guys are throwing singles at you <laughs> and, you know, the whole nine yards. But I've worked at five strip clubs uh-huh. in Jersey. And every single one of them, it was like, you know, dollars weren't really thrown on stage unless, you know, one particular customer did like a money shower for you. Yeah. Most of the time you had to like come around and collect tips. And it's also, I noticed like, how kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like under the radar, like you said, but the managers are like so grimy, like not like a yeah. regular manager yeah. in a regular club. Cause like at every job, like at every strip club, when I start, I'm like very polite, mm-hmm. always on time, like, yes, sir. Yeah. And then it's like you start realizing that they're so crooked and have yeah. like all these bent rules and all this crazy stuff. But I don't know. I, I wanted to try New York, but all I have is experience in Jersey. Yeah. I think it is interesting, like, how a lot of managers are really grimy. I remember I was, like, working in Baltimore, and I just, like, at first I was really, like, worried about the managers and stuff. And I was just like, why are they so aggressive like this? But then I, like, realized they all had, like, extensive coke habits. <laughs> Yes. At first, like, I could never tell when someone is on coke. Mm-hmm. Now I can kind of tell. Yeah. But they're like, uh, yeah, he's he's off coke right now. And then I'm like, oh, I like, no idea. Oh, that's that. why he's raging right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, like, 
I guess when people were on coke, I thought they were like maybe drunk or like oh yeah, some, or sometimes I can't even tell like because mm-hmm. you know some people just do it all the time, so it's hard. To yeah, know. and like the girls at my club, they told me they were like, you know, when you first started, we would hide from you because you seem like such a good girl. And oh we, like, really? Do the coke <laughs> bar. They were like, now yeah. they were like, Luna's too cool. She's so cool. Now we don't care, and they like yeah. just do it in front of me, and I. I don't even see the transition. Like, they're just having a good time, like, chilling. I'm like, wow, it's nothing like how you expect it to be, like, on the streets or something. Yeah, no, it's not so wild. It's just kind of like it becomes this casual thing. Yeah. If you had any piece of advice for new strippers, what would you give them? My advice for new strippers is just to have standard boundaries and respect for yourself and the other sex workers that you're working with. And to just always go for it and have a lot of confidence because confidence just takes you places that, you know, pole tricks or personality and everything might not take you to the same level. That confidence does. Confidence takes you everywhere and you learn from there. That's a great thing. That's such an important point. It's just like confidence is everything. And like customers feel it radiating, radiating off of you. They really do. If you're not confident, they feel that too. Yes. That customers, they like... He was like, who's the baddest bitch in here? I didn't hear what he said. Uh-huh. And I don't. I, I had no idea what he said. I don't even think I respond. I don't even mm-hmm. think I said me. But he was like, yeah, you're damn right. He was like, if you said anything else, I would have walked away from you. And oh, I was like, what? I had no idea what you said. Oh, God. But yeah, they really <laughs> customers love confidence. Yeah, they do. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. I'm taking a cue from Clover and their commercial for things that should exist, but don't. So this is my rendition of something that I definitely would love to see exist in the near future. And if somebody does it, please give me credit and revenue. I would definitely like to have the rights to that. Anyway, um, even if I don't, I would still really like to see this happen. All right. Without any further ado. People with vulvas. Are you tired of having to tell every new sexual partner how to properly mush the puss? Are you exhausted from ineffective bean flickers? Are you tired of your lady, guy, or non-binary sweetie going too hard or not hard enough? Does your pleasure ever feel like a Rubik's Cube? A mystery to everyone except people who understand logarithms? I did too. That's why I created a new app called Juicy. Instead of explaining everything a million times, Juicy has a comprehensive survey complete with explanatory gifts you can fill out to explain everything you're into. From your ideal finger bang, to saucy dirty talk, to triggers to avoid, we cover it all and then compile your data into a user-friendly tutorial for how to provide you with your ultimate pleasure experience. Feel like your preferences have changed? That's chill. You can update your answers to the survey at any time and your tutorial will update to reflect those changes. You can then send your tutorial to whomever's giving you that pleasure down under. And coming soon, you'll be able to add your specific sexual preferences to our new dating app where we match you with other singles or poly people who like what you like. Get your nut today with Juicy. All right, we have some rapid fire questions. Okay. What's your favorite kind of pleaser? (laughs) Dildo? No, no, no. (laughs) The shoes, the shoes. Oh, the stripper shoes. The dangly ones with like the crystals. Oh, nice. Okay. I like those. Um, The. What is that? Like, I don't know fringe. what they're called. Like yes. the gem fringe. Yes. Are you a pole dancer or a floor work person? Pole dancer now. Okay. How often do you wash your stripper outfits? 
Every time I wear them. Every time you wear them. Wow. You're very clean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate putting on like the same panties. Oh, know? yeah. No, I, I don't do that with panties, but just like bras or garters, oh, stockings. Well, most of my outfits are like, well, yeah. They're like full body, like body. Yeah. Or like the um, outfits that it's like, I can't wear the top without the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Um, who, do you have a work wife? Yes. What's her name? Cleo. Oh, so I cute. Her. Um, What's the most money you've ever made in a night? 500. Okay. Hypothetically, if you had a daughter or son who wanted to be a stripper, would you support them? Yes. Awesome. If that's what they wanted to do. Like they just, they wanted to do that. Cute. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to wrap up this episode, but where can we find you on social media? Um, you can follow me at Private Luna 96. Awesome. And that's Instagram. And I will put that in the bio. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. So I am Selena the Stripper. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow Ho in the Know at Ho in the Know. Um, we have a Gmail, Ho in the Know at gmail.com. If you want to support this project, you can donate to our Patreon for like five bucks a month and get access to all of my wonderful stories. And that is at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. Um, so tune in next week for another wonderful episode. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. More money, I want your money. I want more money. 